0: All right, good morning, Crossroads Ministries. We want to thank you for joining our Sunday morning service here this morning. Would you please stand as we worship? God is good and He's worthy of all of our praise. Amen. For those of you who are joining us online, we want to thank you for tuning in. If you're a guest in the building this morning, would you please stop by our welcome center? We'd love to get to know your name and learn a little bit about you. We have a little gift for you as well. Thanks for joining us here this morning. Let's worship our great God. Who breaks the power of stealing in darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? glory, the King above all kings. Lord, i be Thank i like to see your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Blessed. And your heart is kind for all your goodness, I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to find a tear church.
1: everybody alive in the house. <laughs> well, happy Sunday. Welcome Crossroads. We're glad you're here. And uh, I'm just encouraged because God's alive and he's, and he's moving. And uh, we're going to read the word today. We're going to hang out and just fellowship afterwards by just saying hi to each other because that's what we do. We're a family. And so um, we're thrilled you're all here. And I want to invite Allie Donahue to come on up. She's going to share about Mops. So Allie, come on up. This is Allie. Would you guys welcome Allie to the stage?
2: This is Charlie. He's my third born. And we're here to tell you about MOP. It's not a cleaning service. It's actually an international organization for moms of preschoolers. Rhonda actually started the chapter here at Crossroads over 20 years ago, and it's still going strong. And um, so, uh, about six years ago, we came to Pittsburgh. I didn't know many people at all. Tried really hard to make friends at the playground. It just didn't work. And one day, Someone from the church came up to me, and they said, Have you ever heard of Mops? You should try it out. And so I did. Had a hot breakfast, had hot coffee, and talked with people who understood. And the best part was I had two hours with no one hanging on me. And so I came back. And um, I've been part of Mops ever since then, and it has been such a blessing. Um, And so we've been able to grow the ministry. Um, Last year we had eight moms come who... um, were not part of a church, not part didn 't maybe didn't have a relationship with Jesus, but they heard the gospel over and over. they got to see our lives um, anchored in Jesus and our motherhood anchored in jesus and and it definitely changed them and grew them and this year our um, this summer, our uh, leadership team prayed that that would happen again that we'd have even more moms come and last week it had our registration play day and that answer was prayed we had seven new moms come that had Very little to do. They were just from the community, had seen on Facebook and came. And all of them said they were interested in a small group to learn more about the Lord. And so we're just so excited and humbled. Please pray for us because we're just moms. We're busy moms, and it's a lot of responsibility to manage an organization. And um, the other thing we want you to pray for is help because we have 60 kids, 65 kids already signed up. That takes a lot of helpers. and, uh, and we're just praying that God provides because we know more, more moms and more kids are going to come. So it's about four hours a month if you're interested in volunteering. Four hours a month doesn't seem like a lot, but it has a lifelong impact on a mom who's in the trenches. So we're going to have a table out there if you're interested in joining Mops or checking it out or if you know a mom that really needs a community. Um, there's been so many of us. Most of our leadership team is made up of moms who came to Mops and then we came and became part of Crossroads, and that's changed our life. So thank you guys so much. We'll be out there.
1: So, so I want to encourage you. If you love hanging out with kids, you know this is a great opportunity to to serve. Um, like Allie said, four hours a month doesn't seem like a lot, but it's enough to change people's lives because you reach these moms through their kids too, and these families. And so it's really a huge opportunity. So if you'd like to serve and be a part of MOPS, if you are interested in MOPS yourself. Um, All you moms, please stop by the table. Allie and Lexus will be out there, and they would love to talk with you. And so we're really excited and thrilled. Um, It's such an intersectional ministry. I mean, we've got people that are like, I don't want anything to do with the church. They come to Mops. God opens up their hearts. So listen, it's a phenomenal ministry. So Allie and Lexus, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. So check them out. Hang out with them. Even just encourage them out in the lobby after church. The other thing is on September 13th, we are kicking off Wednesday nights. And so this is a great... Um, this is a great opportunity to really jump in and get connected uh, also to grow in the lord because I think that You know, it's one thing to uh, to be a part of a church It's another thing to be like connected and start to put roots down and so I encourage you I know wednesdays is tough. I know it's fall I know it, all things are picking back up But I would encourage you to really pray about it and jump in even if you just check it out for four or five weeks um, There's a ladies group. There's a men's group there's also children's ministry. There's also, uh, there's also middle school and high school. And there's a 56th ministry, which is 5th and 6th grade. So 5th and 6th, 7th and 8th, and then 9th through 12th. There's groups for each of those uh, grade breakdowns. And so there's kids' ministry. It's going to be truly hopping here on the 13th. And so that's going to start at 630 um, on the 13th. So please mark your calendars for that. And then we're looking forward to seeing everybody um, at fall kickoff here at Crossroads. If you have any questions, stop by the Welcome Center. Um, they can point you in the right direction. You can also check out our website for more information on uh, what's happening for fall kickoff. Ernie Haas is happening. Uh, he's coming back, and so we're looking forward to having him and Signature Sound, his crew that comes with him. So that's going to be the 14th and 15th of December. So just mark your calendars for that, and then we'll be releasing um, tickets. Uh, you can buy tickets very very soon. So just mark your calendars, and Ernie and, Ernie and friends will be here, and there will be a full concert, a full band concert, and so we're looking forward to that on the 14th and 15th. Would you all stand with me here in the house this morning as we continue on and worship this morning? If you're a guest this morning, stop by the Welcome Center. It'd be our honor and privilege to meet you. We also have a gift for you. All of our guests, please stop by the Welcome Center before you leave. And church, you're awesome. Thank you for being faithful and giving unto the Lord. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this time that we can just, you know, we're gearing up. This is like kind of like a rally cry before we go into our weeks. And so, God, I pray that um, today would just be not another day. But it would be a day that we paused, we met with you, and then we would do that every day this week, that we would pause, we would meet with you, that we would talk with you, that we would listen as we read your word and, and, and help us understand how we can follow you, and not just do life better, but to know you more. Um, God, that's, that's the goal, is to know you more, because when we know you more, we act more like you, and that's what the world needs, is more Christians that are truly like Christ. And so God, help us this morning as we do that. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for fall kickoff. We thank you for the MOPs uh, organization at at our church. We thank you for all the many lives that are being reached. Um, God, it's, it's, uh, it's your Holy Spirit's work. It's not human hands. It's Holy Spirit. It's your work. We love you, Jesus. And we thank you for loving us. In your name, amen. We've been in this series, exiles, and I—I've um, really been encouraged, really challenged. Um, you think about these people that were scattered in in foreign lands, or strangers, and it's like us here, where we are—we're we're all different places, we're foreigners, we're walking through this land called Earth. You know, this is not our home, so we're feeling like foreigners. And so, um, you know, we. Uh, We're continuing this series, and and I wanted to share a story with you. So we just started in uh, football, and um, it's new for my boys. We've always been a baseball family, and we started into football this year. And so I played one year of freshman football, and that was enough Um, for me. I just, you know, it wasn't my thing. I was a lacrosse and baseball guy. And so my boys wanted to play football, and I looked at my wife, and I'm like, okay, let's try it out. Let's see how it goes. And I've been really enjoying the practices. I go a lot. And, um, and so I've been watching these practices, and they do this one drill that I just can't, I can't, I can't stop watching this drill because I think it so relates to us. It's this two-on-one drill, and there's a, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an offensive player with a ball, there's, a, there's an offensive lineman, and then there's a defender. The defender's trying to get past, you know, the offensive lineman to get to the, the ball carrier, right, to get to the guy with the ball. And I'm sitting there watching this on the sidelines. I'm sitting there watching this kid. Kid lines up, man, he's determined, he's motivated, you can see it, you know, if he had, like, smoke coming out of his, you know, nostrils, you probably would see it, and he's standing up, and then this, and then last minute, the coach goes, hey, and he, you know, pulls this one kid off the sidelines, and says, I want you to go in the middle, and he's, you know, in the middle, he's the offensive lineman, in between the defender and the ball carrier, Blows the whistle. This kid runs as hard as he can. He goes up to him. And I'm telling you, it's like watching a fly hit a wall. I sat there and I'm like, oh, it's like you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't stop looking. This kid was trying. He was doing everything every, everything possible to get around this player to get to the kid with the ball to tackle him because that was the point of the drill. And I watched him over and over and over and he could not move. At one point, the kid actually turned his back to try to see if he could push Against, I'm telling you, like, if you, if you were into sports, you, you play sports, or you have kids in sports, you see drills sometimes, and you just can't help but keep watching. And so I watched, and, and I watched, and, and this kid went from being extremely motivated to not. And I think, Isn't that real? can't we relate to that when it comes to following God? We're so excited, and then we hit a wall. And we become unmotivated, we become discouraged, we become uh, just just really bummed out and, and, and it could be everything. it could be cultures', pressures, it could be the things that you know we're trying to achieve that aren't lined up with God's agenda, that we just keep hitting a brick wall over and over and over again. And we try whatever we can to get around the wall that's in front of us, but we can't. And so after watching this kid and just thought man he, his efforts are really futile they're really futile they are incapable of producing any useful results that kid's efforts were pretty much pointless and i think when that's us we become unmotivated and we think life without motivation is is what it's hard it feels like it feels pointless so maybe you're not a sports person so i'm going to share a few more things that You've probably experienced in your life that are a little bit uh, futile, arranging throw pillows and blankets, okay, folding kid laundry, uh, wiping fingerprints from windows, keeping socks on a baby. It's just like, it's, you know, it's just kind of, yeah. Um, keeping the bathroom sink clean. Anybody? Um, you know, these things just seem futile. You could clean them and you like, you walk out and you're like, oh. And then you you turn your head and you're like, whoa, what, like, how did you get over there that fast? I, I have no idea how it happens. But sometimes, you know, we're just in that situation in life where we're not able to go one more inch. We're like that kid who could not move an inch no matter what they did, no matter how hard they tried. And we're unable to get it. They're not able to get anywhere. And just like the exiles, Peter is writing to those who are living there, they're, in, they're scattered. They're not together. They're scattered. They're all in different places. They're strangers in their homes. They're exiles. Going through persecution, going through trials, going through the pressures of culture just like we are. And what he's doing is he's giving them the truth amidst the trials, which, Crossroads, that's what we need right now. We need the truth amidst the trials. We need the truth right in front of us amidst all the things that we're going through. And so I know that probably like the rest of, of us, you know, or are like like you know, like me, like the rest of you, we're struggling. We're, we're sometimes not motivated to live for God. The constant trials and pressures tempt us to, to, to look to other things, to look to, you know, living for other uh, other things. And it makes it hard to live for God. Because I'll tell you right now, the things that we do, the money, success, the power, the constant trying to climb the ladder of all the different things in life, relationships, power, money, all that, success. It, 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 without Christ, it's pointless. It might have some value for our time, but it's always going to be temporary. When Christ is not the center, is not the focus, it's always going to be temporary. And so Peter is reminding these people what the truth is because we're constantly going to start looking. We're always going to look like that we're always going to look like that kid just keep hitting that brick wall. We can't get around it no matter how hard we try. We're always going to be that player in life. If we could just get beyond this point. We think if I could just make this job or if I could just get farther in this relationship or whatever the situation is, then it would be okay. If I could just get beyond this point. If I, you know, for me I'm like, man, if I could just be like a couple days ahead on mowing my grass, whatever it is, you know the thing, I'll be okay. This isn't the life that God intended for us, because it's it's truly just futility. It's just it, it's it's pointless. It's like I can't I cannot produce enough results. I cannot produce the right results. I can't produce any results, and this isn't the life that God intended for us. Because the life that God intended for us is is supposed to be full. It's supposed to be. Um, just full of life and the only way you can find that is through jesus christ and in jesus christ alone so that's what he's telling the exiles he's saying he's like trying to recalibrate their minds and say this is the truth it's all about christ and maybe you've heard that before because it is always about christ and so last week pastor ken ended last weekend by sharing peter's words that we are to be holy as he is holy you know we're, we're told to you know to when we are, when we are holy as he is holy god is holy he is like no no other there was no one in existence like god he is holiness is another word a phrase you could use to kind of kind of get towards holiness is he's set apart he's like no other he's completely removed nothing is close in fact we know of one person we know of one somebody who tried to be like god and he fell pretty hard So we're told by God to put aside our own agenda, and we're no longer on our own agenda. And so Peter, he writes, in 1 Peter, verse 16, he picks up and he says this. He says, Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And then he says, If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. You know, and I love this. He's not saying, hey, go be magically holy. Like just, like the application isn't go be holy because then you step out and you're like, like what do I do? Holiness comes from knowing God more. Because when we're, when we know God more, when we read the Bible and we read about who God is and his character, he changes us. So holiness, the pursuit of holiness is becoming more like God because when we become more like God and we obey God's word, he changes us from the inside out. He changes us, and we become holy as he is holy. And then Peter talks about this whole idea of fearing God, and he's saying, he's saying listen, fear of God is not like God's going to smite me, but fear comes out of, God, you gave me this life and you saved me. I want to honor you with my life. I want to reflect you in my life, whether I'm playing sports, in my relationships, in my family, in school, and on and on and on, my work, whatever it is. And so fear is saying, man, God, I I, I care about what you say for my life and fearing God. And so our lives are meant to glorify God and we're on his agenda. But here's the deal. Where's the motivation come from? Because we can know all of that's true. But where's the motivation come from? Because don't we get discouraged? Don't we get really just blindsided? You know, like if you look at a horse that has blinders on, they do that for a reason. So they don't get spooked or distracted And I think it's easy for us to put the blinders on naturally because we're so just bummed out by the the pressures of the world, of the discouragement that we face, the trials that we go through, the discouragement. And we feel just like that kid who cannot get around that player to get to the ball carrier or to get to whatever it is that we're trying to get to. We feel like our efforts are just futile. And so Peter is saying, okay, listen, here's your motivation for living for God, right? Right here. He says in verse 18, 1 Peter 1 verse 18, he says, this is your motivation, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. So what he's saying here is he's saying your freedom was purchased. Like your freedom was purchased. Your soul's freedom was purchased because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Can somebody give an amen in the house today? Our freedom was purchased, church. Those watching online, your freedom was purchased because of the blood that was shed on the cross by Jesus Christ. Not because at the end of the day, you can cash that check and make whatever amount you're making. That's hard for us to swallow because we like what we do. At least we like to think that our efforts have produced something in this life, right? I mean, I don't, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. But at the end of the day, I'm going, thank you, Jesus, that he's not on that cross anymore. So, church, I want you to be encouraged. He says, Know that you've been ransomed. Do you know what ransomed means? It means that there was a price tag on your soul that nobody else could pay except for Christ. And you've been purchased. Your freedom's been purchased. And then Peter goes off, he goes on to say, and he says, Listen, you know what you've been ransomed from? Your sin, but also, it says, the futile ways. That have been passed down through your forefathers, right? Because we know that there are things that we do in this life. We reach for money. We reach for success. We reach for power. We reach for relationships. We reach for stuff. And we've been ransomed out of that. Like, think about that for a little bit. Like, I'm I'm still, still, the, the gears are slowly turning in my head, even as I've been reading this passage for two weeks. That we've been ransomed out of that. It's not like, you know, we're walking this path of life and, and Jesus saves us and then we slowly turn. It's like we're not even like changed direct we haven't even changed directions. Like we've been completely removed from the path that we've been on. Like think about think about that for a second. Because the patterns that we've been in, we've been removed from that. We've been ransomed out of that. And 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 then Peter goes on to say that we've been ransomed not with something that's perishable. You know, we had um we had a football game yesterday. Actually, I actually had two football games yesterday. And, um, uh, you know, you pay to get into the stadium, which I must be getting old because I'm like, well, didn't we pay a registration fee? Like, didn't we pay, you know, whatever. So that's beside the point. But, I, I, you know, I, I remember standing and there was a lady in front and her in her, uh, um, uh, her, child was with her. And she looked at the the, the people behind the, the ticket booth and she goes, oh, how many times have you been there? You're like, oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't bring cash with me. You know, whatever that is the situation. But I happen to have um, – A few extra dollars, and so I paid for her to get in because you know what? The weekend before that, we forgot. So listen, it's life. But she was so thankful, and I thought that $5 bill could have fallen out of my pocket and been trampled, been weathered, and it would have slowly deteriorated because it's from the earth, right? It's from this world, so it's going to perish. All things in this life will perish. And Peter is saying, not only were you purchased and your freedom was purchased, but he said, your purchase was something that's not perishable. Like, think about that. That is mind-blowing, because he even compares it to gold and silver. Peter says, listen, you know, what's, you know what's, I mean, how many times do we see, like, you know, buy gold, buy gold? You know, we see all those commercials, and, and slowly but surely we're like, maybe I should buy gold. You know what I mean? Like, we see those commercials enough, right? And, and I think it's so cool that Peter is not saying something so unrelated to their culture. He's saying, listen, you know that this is worth something to you, but guess what? The price that was paid for your sin, for your life, it's not perishable. It's not perishable. Money will perish. It will not last forever. Church, we even know that the dollar into the future may not have as much value as it does today. I mean, listen, it's real life. And so Peter is bringing this into a real world situation. He goes on in verse 19 and he says this. He says, but so we know that our freedom was not purchased with perishable items it was purchased with something that was non-perishable it says but with the precious blood of christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot so that that the precious blood of jesus christ that is what our life that our soul had so much value that it had to be bought with something so precious and non-perishable and to think that our soul would actually have a price tag on it what money would it be worth what value would it have? It, it, we couldn't afford it. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever had to go to, like, the magistrate's office. I mean, I've never had to do that. But, um, you know what I mean? Like, you go and you pay for whatever ticket you have. Imagine going to the judge's desk and they say, this is what your life is worth. And you're just like, do you do Venmo? Do you know I mean? We just start going through our head. I mean, like, that price was something that we could never pay. It could only be bought with something that was non-perishable, that was precious, like the blood of Jesus Christ. And Peter, you know what, Peter, he's saying, listen, don't forget, I've been, God has been prepping you for this. You know, why was Jesus' blood precious? It's was precious because Christ took our sin and paid for it. We should have paid for that sin, but we couldn't. And just like that spotless lamb that the people put over their doorpost. Exodus 12:5 says, "Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So the Lord is telling Moses and Aaron tell the people to slaughter a goat or a lamb and to take its blood and to put it on the doorpost. And then when he sees that, what's going to happen? he's passing over. Peter is helping us understand that Jesus' blood is what covers the doorpost of our hearts. His death on the cross was so that we could put blood, his blood, over our lives, that we could have that saving forgiveness and cleansing that Jesus can only bring. And, 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 and when we stand before God in eternity's past, when we stand before God, when we are done with this life, why should I let you into my heaven? We don't reach for our checkbook, we don't pull up our QR code for Venmo or PayPal or all that stuff he's going to see paid in full by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leviticus 4.32, like this is, this is what is so rich about scripture, guys. If, you, if you're reading, you go into Genesis and you're reading and you're like, oh, I'm lost and all the details are mostly Leviticus and numbers. You're like, how does this all fit? You have a story of redemption from Genesis all the way through Revelation. You have a story of redemption of God saving his people. In the Old Testament, Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, so three books into the Bible, you already have... Listen, when they shut the door on the ark, it says, Jehovah shut the door. You have an image of Christ. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned, God covered them. And you know what he did? He he killed an animal to cover their nakedness. Already you see the image of Christ. And so you get into Leviticus and he says, Leviticus 4.32... If he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Without blemish. So already there's foreshadowing of Christ. Already, already there's foreshadowing of Christ. In Numbers 28.11, I'm just going to read for this. It's not on the screen. At the beginning of your months, you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord. Two, bull, two young bulls, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old without blemish. You already he's prepping the people for Christ. He's prepping the people for Christ. His Old Testament is foreshadowing the coming Jesus, who was going to be the ultimate sacrifice. First Peter 1.20, he says this. This is, this is so cool because as the Old Testament was prepping the people, right? As the Old Testament we read, God was prepping his people for Jesus. And now we get to the point where we have Christ. Peter's reminding the people. Listen, he was foreknown. This is so cool. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. There will come a point where this earth will be, will be gone. You know, my boys um, practice in Kochburg, and if you drive into Kochburg, you can see some of the old mines. You can see some of the old storehouses, the foundations of, of what was, once was a booming aspect of econ- the economy here. And I look at those foundations, and I'm like, man, this world is this close to being that and beyond just rubble bricks on the ground but to think that he was foreknown before the foundation of the earth listen what we're standing on we're standing on you know i'm standing on a stage we're sitting in this church and below this is earth and you think about the foundation that goes so all the way to the core of this earth before the foundation he was foreknown there was nothing that was reactive about why christ came it's not like You know Jesus didn't you know come as a baby and then he came to this earth and you know he grows up and all of a sudden he's like dad these people are kind of messed up like I feel like we need to do something about it no foreknown It, it says he says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you this isn't like oh wow I should feel special this is like humbling this is where the fear and the reverence comes in the fact that he would come for me for you that's 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 very humbling romans 5 8 says but god shows his love for us even uh, in that while we were still sinners christ died for us that was why jesus came because we were sinners in need of saving we couldn't pay the price for our own sin and what we can know for certain is that God has foreordained the way of salvation. And you know what it is? Whoever believes. What does John 3.16 tell us? That God so loved the world. And what and how and how do how are we saved? How do, how do we not perish but have everlasting life? You believe in Jesus Christ. Church, there was an extreme problem, and that problem was your sin, my sin. It could only be Solved by an extreme solution it was Jesus' death on the cross. First Peter 1.21, he goes on and he says, Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. It's through Jesus Christ that we are saved, right? Jesus died, was buried, and rose again so that we could have purpose. On this earth, and beyond that, eternal life when we leave this earth. You know what creates confidence and trust is action. Nothing about Jesus was hypothetical, it's what happened. And why was Jesus' blood precious? Because it worked. Because it saves. Nothing in this world, in existence, can save someone's soul except for Jesus Christ. And you see how Peter, he talks about how, you know, you believe through Jesus Christ. And then he says, so that your faith and hope are in God. You know what, we're saved. We're not just saved from sin because I grew up thinking that being a Christian was escaping sin, trying not to sin, living this life of holiness, which was like, you know, you don't do a lot of things. It was like do and there was like one or two things. And then the don't was like, you know, this never ending list and it was always being added to. But we've been saved from sin and saved for a greater purpose in this life. And so if you look at this and you see so that your hope are in God and you think about that kid who is lined up ready to try to tackle the ball carrier and he cannot get around us and that's life. We're we're, we're hitting a wall. We're unmotivated. And to think that we've been saved from that and our faith is not in our ability to get around that defender, but our faith is now in Jesus Christ. Our faith and hope are in God. Like, that, that blows my mind. Like, I'm still trying to wrap my head all around that, but it's like I've been ransomed out of this life of just trying to climb the ladder that's never-ending. And truly, if you, if you even get to the hypothetical top, more brokenness, more bureaucracy, more corruption. So it's almost like we're back at the beginning and we're actually farther down the line. Without Jesus we're destined to live a life that's futile, pointless, meaningless, incapable of producing any useful result. Remember that football story that we just talked about, no matter how many times that kid tried, he continued to just he couldn't get past he couldn't get past the linemen, couldn't get past them. And that's our life without Jesus. Futile. Over and over we try to find purpose, meaning, hope, and truth, but we get nowhere. We think we start to get somewhere, but the reality is we cannot find the answer. We end up back at square one. We live in this world where because of sin, because of the sin, you know, we're, we're, we're sinners. You know, we sin because we're sinners. You know, we're born sinful. We're born sinful. And if that's the track that we're on, we're born with handcuffs on because of sin. We're born with this. We're slaves to sin. And that's the life that is before us. Is, is driven by sin and driven by our brokenness. And so they, when Peter is talking about being saved from this, these futile inheritances that have come from our forefathers, he's saying, listen, it, it's, it's, the, it's the constant climbing ladder. It's achieving success. It's achieving power. It's achieving more money, more fame, all those things. There, there are things in this life that are really bad that have, we have inherited from our forefathers. Alcoholism. Substance abuse, anger, abuse, violence. Those would be things that we would say, these are bad. But there are things that we've inherited that have been passed down through generation to generation that the world would actually say is not bad. Maybe our parents worshipped money, success, career, power, stuff, materialism. But church, I want to encourage you. You've got brokenness that's been passed down through generation to generation to generation. But Peter says you've been ransomed out of that. Thanks be to God. You have a new father. And that's really tough for me. So for those of you that have lost a parent, that is really tough sometimes to wrap your head around God as father. But you know what? I have been on this journey since 2020 when I lost my father. That God is opening my eyes that he is my father. He is my heavenly father. And so you have a new father. And he is a heavenly father. And we are sons and daughters of the king. So where do we go when we have trials? When we have those moments where you're so unmotivated? Gosh, guys, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to call my parents, but I can. not We run to the father. There's a song that... um. Has been really dear to my heart, and it's one where I'm not a big emotional crier type of a person. I just never have been, but this song just brings me to tears. It goes like this You saw my condition, had a plan from the start, your son for redemption, the price for my heart. And I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand. I can't comprehend. All I know is I need you. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. This line is so pivotal. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. 1 John 3 1 says, See what kind of love. The Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. When my mom, back in 2016, had her brain aneurysm, we were in Morgantown, West Virginia, at a conference. And um, I remember my dad called me and tried to call me a bunch of times. And I remember I went onto the lobby at this conference, and I took the phone call, and he said, Hey, your mom fell. She's unresponsive. We took her to the—we we had her ambulance take her to the hospital. We're, we're, we're not sure what happened. Uh, we went. I went back up to, um, to Pittsburgh, and then we drove, immediately got in the car to drive out to Chicago from Pittsburgh. And we found out that she had a, a brain aneurysm. She had multiple strokes on both sides of her brain. And we remember um, that the chances of her living were extremely slim, extremely slim, but there was still hope. And I remember sitting in the waiting room, and I remember sitting there, and every time that door would creak, I would look to the door. Because I was searching for hope that a nurse, that a doctor would walk through that door to tell me something that would give me hope. I was looking for a word of hope. I was looking for something to place my faith in. You see, we're not just looking. We're, not just, we're, not, we're looking not just to have faith and hope, In something. But we're looking for faith and hope. That will not fail us. Peter is giving us hope. And someone to have faith in. Even deeper. He's saying that Jesus paid our ransom. So that. Our faith and hope are in God. And not in anything else. And you know what? We don't have to go back to just trying to work harder trying to get past whatever brick wall is in front of you. We don't have to go back to that. Why would, you know, our souls have value? Why why would Jesus' blood be so precious? It was precious because Jesus was God's only son. There's no one like him. Precious because when we died on when he died on the cross, his death, the blood that he spilled, it worked. Our sin was forgiven. We don't have to live enslaved by our sin. We don't have to live a life of futility. That's really, that's big, isn't it? That we don't have to live that life of just trying to punch the clock, get to five, get the work done. We can do all those things, but at the end of the day, we can say, man, my worth comes from Christ. It's not in my position My worth doesn't come from my relationships. It comes from Christ. I look at my paycheck. I look at her paycheck. I look at his paycheck. It's a lot more. It might be triple, whatever it is, but my worth comes from Christ. That when you can read verses and you can say that he came, that Jesus was manifested at the right time for my sake, that should tell you that you have a value to God. Because that sure tells me that, man, I'm... I'm not so special, but my soul has value, that God loves me enough to send his only son to die on a cross. Jesus came for our sake at the right time. Nothing was unplanned or reactive. Jesus, as Peter tells us, was foreknown. I don't know about you, but I would like to be a part of a plan that was foreknown before the beginning of all this that we stand on. Because at some point, all of this is going to go away. I want to be a part of that plan. (laughs) So maybe you're thinking, wow, me, my my life, my soul. Yeah, you. I'm saying to God, God, you're talking about me, right? Yeah, yeah, you, Luke. Wow. That's, That's big. So I want to encourage you with this. Because of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your life has been ransomed. Your freedom has been purchased. And maybe that's the first time that you've heard that, but it's true. Jesus is not on the cross still. Jesus is off the cross. He is alive. He is reigning on the right hand of the Father. And I want to tell you, when when you've been ransomed and you recognize that truth about your life, what happens? This is what we can do every day. We can remember our past, remember where we've been, and then we realize what Jesus did for us. And then we can respond with faith and hope and we can move and start to move beyond the futility of this life every day. We've been ransomed. And when we know that we've been ransomed, we remind ourselves of the truth. It's like I encourage you preach the gospel to yourself every day. Parents, you get up in the morning, you preach the gospel to yourself. Singles, you preach the gospel to yourself every single day. Those whose kids are out of the house, you have grandkids, you have no kids. You, 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 you know, whatever your situation is, preach the gospel to yourself because it will affect how you live your life that day. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty broken parent. I'm a pretty broken husband. I'm a pretty broken friend. I'm a pretty broken pastor. And there's nothing about my efforts in this life that are going to achieve anything if it's not in the power of Jesus Christ. My kids need to see the power of Christ, not the power of dad has it all together. Moms, same for you. Even in the midst of trials, I encourage you to remember those four R's. I've been ransomed. I remember where I was. I realize what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me, and I'm going to respond in faith and hope. We don't have to go back to that life of futility. Let that motivate us because we're scattered here, aren't we? We're living as foreigners in this life. As a Christ follower, you are set apart. You are different. That, therefore, when you feel out of place, that's a good. That, that's, that, that should encourage you. Like, I'm okay at this point in my life. Not always. Sometimes I'm, you know, a lot as strong, and sometimes my faith isn't as strong. But I encourage you, when you start feeling out of place, that's a good thing. You know, for those that are, you know, like me, who are just a little bit weird, that's a different situation. But I'm talking about, like, when you start going, man, I'm looking at my buddies, I'm looking at the things that they're doing, and I feel out of place. I kind of feel like, you know, I'm fish out of water. Listen, you're not even in the water. You're totally, you're in a different place. You're set apart. You're holy. Be holy as I am holy. So let this motivate us to live for God. We've been ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let's live for God, church. Let's believe in God and not self. Let's really place our faith and hope, our faith and hope in God, because that's why Christ came. So we could believe in him and that we could be removed from this path of life that we were on, this futility, striving after wind, as Solomon says. That's hard because we have to swallow our pride. Because striving after wind is what we love, right? I'm going to get somewhere. I know. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we're running to you this morning. We're running to you, and we um we really we really need we need your ministry. We need you to minister to us, Father. We need you to Help us to really wrestle with where we are in life, God. As we wrestle with the things that we're doing, as we wrestle with the, the trials that we're going through, as we wrestle through um, the 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 just the normal ebb and flow of life, God. We're getting into school, um, and there's there's just the, the the schedules are picking back up, and God, it's so easy for us to slide back into this is what we do. Where we're in our situation, in our career, in our relationships, with our families. God, maybe we're feeling really unmotivated. Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts to the point where we go, we've been ransomed. We've been purchased. Our soul has been purchased. Our freedom has been purchased. I could remember many things in my past. But I realize what you did for me on the cross. And now I'm going to respond by placing my faith and hope in you and not in my abilities, not in just getting through where we are or where I am right now. God, if there's anyone here this morning that has not placed their faith and hope in your son, Jesus Christ and church, if you're here this morning and you have not placed your faith and hope in Jesus Christ, you can do so right now. You can say, Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross for me saved me from my sin. I don't want to live this life of futility, of just trying to climb the ladder of life. I'm ready for something bigger and better and more fulfilling. Jesus, I give my life to follow you now and forevermore. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Lord, be with this church be with all of us as we respond and we walk out of here in faith and in hope that we don't have to go back to that life of futility because of what you Jesus did for us on the cross it's all for your honor and your glory be with your people as we respond amen would you stand as we
0: Oh, Lord, please have a wonderful week.